You're listening to Kiss My Aesthetic, your go-to podcast for bragworthy branding, marketing, and entrepreneurship advice. I'm your host, Michelle Winterstein of MKW Creative Co. Let's dive into the episode. Greetings and welcome back to the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. Another repeat guest, but from way back when, episode 57, Dental Hygiene Nation. Welcome back, Caitlin. Oh, hi, guys. I am so excited to be back. I was looking forward to this podcast all week. Probably one of my favorite podcasts to listen to. And beyond, of course. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yay. I'm so excited because we have a lot of ground to cover since we last worked together, of course. You were a client of ours. Was it 2021? It must have been. I feel like as crazy as that sounds, we started working in the fall. It has to be. Yeah. Right. Because it wasn't last year. Yeah. So it'll be a two year anniversary this fall. Crazy. Oh my gosh. Okay. So for anyone who doesn't know, I always like (laughs) when I'm ever talking about like merch designs with potential clients, I said, you know, I did this really cool merch project. It's super, super niche. I was like, it's a very niche brand, but I think you're going to love it. And it's a really good example of what our team can do. So we have so much to talk about. We haven't had you on the podcast. And by the time we recorded, I think we were fresh off the rebrand of Dental Hygiene Nation. Yeah, like real fresh. So for anyone listening, definitely go back and hear that one to hear the like long form version of the rebrand. But tell us kind of like Cliff Notes version, how you started this business, what we were able to create together, and then where you're at now. Okay, I started on Twitter in college. I did it as a joke. It was called Dental Hygiene Problems. Talked about all the funnies, like really where memes kind of started on Twitter. Long story short, it grew and grew and grew. And I was also kind of like dabbling with design. I always designed shirts for my school, like high school, college. And I'm like, you know, my followers are going to want this too. So we launched a shirt and then one shirt led to another shirt. And then it led to me quitting my full-time job. And now here we are with Dental Hygiene Nation. So we kind of rebranded the name from Dental Hygiene Problems. So went from social to website. And now we have apparel, accessories, subscriptions. And it's just so fun to just make fun toothy things. And so niche, like so interestingly niche. Whenever I'm explaining merch to clients that we're working with, I always pull up your website as an example. <laughs> yeah. I said like, this is where you can go with it and you can actually create an entire company around the idea of serving a very specific audience. How has that informed or changed your business or made you think about yourself as a business owner? Because a lot of the last episode, you talked about how you know you were a dental hygienist, so you had the insights and then you're not. And then now you own this merch company. Like, How has that worked out for you in the last few years? Yeah. I mean, people tell me all the time, they're like, you should expand into other like medical areas. And like, but that's why I started Dental Hygiene Nation was when I was a hygienist, there was nothing fun and cool for us. You know, there's tons of things for nurses, doctors. And I felt like none of these medical companies were speaking to dentistry in general, like scrub companies, for example, they're constantly marketing to hospital lifestyles. And like, hey, we're here too. So could I go into other niche markets. Yes, but I don't know them on the ground level like I know dentistry. So, and I enjoy it. I'm not a hygienist anymore. I still get to play in that playground and I'll live here forever and for always. Mhm. Love it. And a lot of that we kind of channeled into the aesthetics of Dental Hygiene Nation when we did the rebranding. I remember we went back and forth a few times about the drippy tooth and even in the last episode because I was just listening to it before this. You had mentioned how once you launched the branding, somebody commented on the Drippy Tooth logo and said, iconic. And that's where you're like, yep, we nailed it. 
So explain kind of how your relationship to this drippy tooth logo has like evolved since even two years ago, because I feel like a lot has happened since then. Yeah, I just think it's the more mature version of me and my company together too. I feel like I just, I'm obsessed with it every single day. It's still a hot topic. Like I think I shared with you the other day how someone just messaged again. I mean, we're almost on a two-year anniversary of rebranding and we get this question a lot of what is the drip? And the, my usual reply is whatever you want it to be. Uh-huh. And, you know, the hot topics that they say, they're like, is it toothpaste? Is it fluoride? Is it? And then they'll name some like more dentistry terms. And I really, I'm not stuck on what it is. It's more of the, it's just an ironic tooth. Like you normally don't want to portray stuff on a tooth. And that's, I think my biggest thing to you is I want to look different. We were getting copied. I'm still getting like other friends in the dental merch space are still messaging me. My one friend, her logo is like on Canva now and it's just getting repeated and repeated and repeated. And I feel so secure and safe that our logo, it's such a showstopper. And someone also said, okay, Material Alba is plaque, like dental wool. And someone said, it's Material Alba, aka plaque, but it's aesthetic. (laughs) So... I love that. Make it plaque, but make it cute. (laughs) Right. No, so much of our conversation was exactly the issues that you were running into with your last logo on the last podcast episode. And not to like rehash that whole episode, but we talked about how the biggest thing that you lacked for Dental Hygiene Nation was like a system of assets and also something that was really going to be super, super obvious if somebody copied, right? So like the last logo that you had was more of a generic silhouette of a tooth and you had it in gold, but then you were like, wait, we can't just do gold foil on everything. Like that's going to be an issue, right? Yeah. So hard. So talk about how you've used all the assets in your brand system now. Like how has that changed the way that you approach your brand? Colors. I used to use a lot more colors. So now I'm definitely more honed in with colors. It just makes designing marketing material so much easier. I can use my logo in the outline form and the full color form so versatile in that way when I need something more simplistic and it still looks like my logo. And then we actually, the one you also designed this more like collegiate look, the flag. So we like use that for more like student branding and it's just a different look to it. So use that. I just feel, and to be honest, we've been getting so many more corporate work, I guess, Interesting. Like they're reaching out to do collaboration, corporate collaborations. I think we just look more professional, more uniform, and we look like we know what we're doing. So, and I can use it in proposals. It just makes it so easy to say this is used for this. It just, it saves me time in a weird way just to know what to use. Mm -hmm. And it gives you kind of the boundaries, right? So like I always explain it to clients as like, you know, when you go bowling and you have to like put up the lanes on the bowling line so that you don't hit it into the gutter. It's like, we're just adding some guardrails for you so that you can bowl better. So you're not falling off over here or ending up in the gutter over there, but like, you know, your lane and you can stay in your lane and you're not going to have just like chaos everywhere. And for scalability, right? Like you have other people on your team that have to access these assets. And they look good. How does that work within your system? Everything's on Google Drive. Gosh, I use that like so much. Even with you, I use it. And then everything's in there for them to just like we do trade shows all the time at events. Mm -hmm. So my rep will just send over the logo and it's usable. 
I never have any issues with it. It always looks good too, because my last logo is really long. So I was really pigeonholed with where it could be, where now if it's something small, I send the tooth. If it's longer, I send our full company name. So having that versatility and not have to recreate stuff all the time for different media types, it's just in my bucket is also amazing. This just makes me so happy. This is all the things that we talked about in the beginning, right? (laughs) You changed my life, Michelle. You have no idea. Like It's kind of like when you wear a new outfit, you just feel more badass. So this tooth just makes me, I think, act the part and more a bigger and better confident part too. Like I feel good sending my materials out to a new collaboration or on the website. I, I just feel like we look good and I'm more proud of it too. So it just changed my life. And such an evolution from when we were actually in the process. Cause like you kind of had a panic about it for a minute. You're like, I don't know. I don't know if people are going to like it. I don't know. I don't know if I can commit to the drip. And I was like, trust, trust. Uh huh. It's going to be worth it. Well, if you remember, I reached out to you only to do social and you're like, what do you think about a rebrand? I was not even thinking about a rebrand. And you're like, what do you think? What do you think? And I'm like, oh, that would be fun. I feel like we need it. So I just, I tell that story all the time where I didn't even know I needed what I needed until you showed me. And then it's like, you don't know what you don't know until you see the possibilities. And now it was scary. It was scary because it was change. And it's just funny, the evolution of like, I am still obsessed with this logo. It's like falling in love all over again. Like it's definitely true love because it is not getting old. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that just makes me so happy. I do want to spend a lot of this episode though. I'm going to pivot a little bit towards running a merchandise apparel accessories business and a brand because that's a whole other beast. And as we kind of alluded to, it can be very lucrative especially if you know your audience really, really well, and you're building a brand that doesn't exist in a space that doesn't exist. Kind of walk us through what does your actual business look like? You mentioned the offerings at the beginning, but let's kind of get into the nitty gritty of like how often you launch and how you come up with campaigns and themes and everything like that. So that's a long time learning. So we do the big holidays for us. Holidays are big. We always do the St. Patrick's Day, Valentine's Day, Halloween and holiday. So aka like Christmas and things. So that is where we spend a lot of our time because our dental offices love to celebrate those holidays. So we always give plenty of merch for those things. Then I get to get my creative juices going. I like to do at least one to two impactful collections a year where like we just launched one that was more less like trendy viral shirt and more campaign driven. And we only get to do that probably once or twice a year because there's a lot that goes into it and it's very sensitive and emotional. And then we'll do our one-offs. Like we're working on an arrows shirt. Like we're launching it in my hygienist era. We're doing a nod to Barbie. So we'll do those one-offs. But I would say as far as like full-on collections, it's kind of, we just go with the flow. Whatever we're feeling like this is needing to be a bigger thing, we'll do a bigger collection. But the one-offs are also super fun and they're like quick. We jump on a call, made a shirt yesterday. It's in production today. So it's a lot of, if you're not like that, I feel like you can definitely do more consistent, you know, some like boutiques launch new collections every month. You could be routine with it. But what I've learned is going with the flow, jumping on trends when they come, going to print as soon as possible, but also still nurturing more of an impactful collection. It just go, like I said, just go with the flow and whatever. If you're too rigid, I feel like it affects creativity. 
and not be afraid to launch something. Cause I think that would affect creativity too. I'd be like, Ooh, is this going to sell? Cause it's always the biggest fear. But now I'm like, let's just see, like we'll launch maybe a lower amount if I'm nervous about it. And I'm just like, let's see if this sticks. And I feel like I'm more creative in that way. Yeah. You want to have that balance. I was explaining this literally to a client yesterday saying, There is a culture with especially selling through social media, which is where a lot of your leads come from, correct? Mm -hmm. It's like a lot of people find you on social first, then they're like, okay, I want the stuff that you have to have that balance between like, what's evergreen? What's the stuff that we're always going to offer? And then what are the things that are transitional? Like, what are we going to do right here right now? Because the Barbie movie is coming out and we want to strike while the iron's hot versus things that we like offer and then take away and then bring back and then take away. Like there's a whole chess game going on there. Oh, yeah. How do you decide what's something that's going to stick is like, we're always going to offer this or do you even offer anything all year round versus obviously holidays come and go. You're not going to buy a Halloween shirt on November 1st, but like for things that are more campaign or like big idea or around a theme, how do you decide the duration of that effort? Honestly, until I did the rebrand, we didn't have any evergreen merch. I remember. So now our only evergreen merch is going to be a nod to our logo. We're always restocking those because Shopo, if you're familiar, they're a huge store in Australia. And she did a YouTube video on like why her business failed and how she restarted. And she was like, launch new stuff all the time. Keep it on the shelf, short shelf life. So that we kind of modeled our website after that. So if you don't get it now, it's going to be gone. And sometimes we would have top sellers that we'd keep them on for months at a time, but nothing really stayed on the shelf for more than a year. But I think that just helps us keep evolving and it's more fun to create new stuff and things fizzle out. I mean, there's only so many dental professionals that we can sell to that. I feel like so many people buy it and it's like it's on its way out. So when I would see sales dip, a lot of it, I think is sales driven, but yeah, nothing evergreen until now, which I'm glad because when we go in and out of stock, going out of stock, it's nice that the logo merch is always there. There's something there for the new customer all the time, which is more secure. Yeah, I think that there's a balance, right? And I was kind of advising some clients on this this week, like baseball cap, like a dad hat. Everyone's going to love a dad hat. Everyone loves a crew neck sweatshirt. There's just some things that can just be classic and just be evergreen versus doing something that's like a little more trendy, a little more crazy, a little more cool. And I feel like you really get to flex your creative muscles with the subscription box. Oh, yeah. Tell us about how that idea even came about and like how that process even works. Because I feel like you've mastered it. You've done a ton of them by now. Oh, yeah. I think we did that a year in and it's the funniest story ever. I think we're five or six years in to the subscription box. So I have learned so much along the way. I don't even know where to begin. So it started... So it was myself and my other right-hand girl, Brittany. So her and I have been with this business since it was inception. And we would go to coffee shops. We didn't have an office, but we meet at Starbucks. And it was around Valentine's Day. And we're like, let's offer a Valentine's Day box with dental samples. So like our favorite floss, maybe a headband, a sticker, and that you can send to your dental bestie. We had a couple vendors committed I think we were going to do 50 of them just to see if this sticks. And it wasn't going to be anything but that. We launched it. We didn't tease it. We just launched it. Here's a dental bestie box. Buy it. It sold out within hours, maybe even less than an hour. But I remember being like, okay, this is something here. So then 
I did a ton of research. I found something that can do a recurring subscription. I'm like, okay, can we do this every season? Do we do it every month? So then we're like, okay, new business, new revenue stream. And I remember just being like, we'll figure it out. We didn't have any products picked out for the next season. So we decided to do it quarterly to give us time to figure out products for that next season. We turned it into a quarterly subscription box. And the name came to me in my sleep. And this is going to be dental slogan for you. So in dentistry, there's like an insurance called, called D4910, which is a periodontal patient and they come every three months. Mm-hmm. So the box comes every three months. So I'm like, it's DHN's 4910. And I'm like, this is it. This is the one. So it's like this accidental product became one of our biggest top selling products. It's our probably our most fun product line, our most stressful product line but we get to explore new products and see if they stick too. And then, so like, that's a really cool part of the subscription too, is just testing things. Yeah. Testing things out and running stuff that maybe you wouldn't have thought would be popular. So like you get that opportunity to really try it out with your market, get feedback, but it lets you do things on like a smaller scale, right? Than like committing to a shirt or a sweatshirt or something that's like larger. Cause it's got, first of all, it's got to fit in the box. So I think that that's such a fun experiment and to be able to kind of push the boundaries on what your customer wants is really fun. Yeah. So explain kind of how you come up again with like the theme because each box then has its own theme. How do the themes happen and how, where does your brain go when you start to have an idea? Because I know we just worked on one, so it's very top of mind, but kind of explain how that happens. Very, very, very difficult. I love themes. So I really try to keep it a theme. I like to have a story. I like to have like this emotional moment when they open this box that they feel like they're in a story time. So I'm really emotional about that piece of the puzzle. So a lot of times it comes from maybe a trendy pattern I've seen. Like one year we did obviously like a holographic box and then everything was kind of in that color palette. So we'll do like a color theme, but then we've also done things like we did a silver lining box. So it was kind of nodding to like a silver filling. So we were doing like in my silver fillings, more like in my feelings and everything was silver metallic and sparkly. So there can be emotional themes, stories, or just a plain old color. We did a fruit box one year. So it's a lot of things that either we start with one thing and then it kind of goes from there. It's really just what I'm inspired by at the moment. And it's either me or Brittany or another coworker that's like, hey, I really like this product and then we'll run with it. But it's definitely hard to keep within that theme. And we have meetings upon meetings to say, like, does this fit in? And then we'll throw things out if we feel it doesn't fit in. And then cost is a big, big one. That was going to be my next question. Yeah. So that kind of pigeonholes you and like you want to do a drinkware, but that's going to take up majority of your budget. And so then you have to pick four more smaller items, three or four smaller items. But then what are those? You don't want it to be too cheap, you know, appearing cheap to the customer. So it is this, when you say chess game with the collections, the subscription box is a big chess game. And it's probably, again, one of my most stressful product lines. But when that box comes out, it's probably the biggest success feeling of like it came together, but definitely running out of ideas. So that's why I'm so excited to reach out to you. Yes. Oh my gosh. 
So you called me a few months ago because you were like, Michelle, yes, I'm burnt out. Yes. I need help. So explain to me how you got to that point, because I can imagine doing this like, again, you got to deliver four times a year. If you're sending one out, you know, every three months, that's four times a year delivering on these boxes. I can see how it would get, you'd start to be like, okay, I'm running out of ideas. Yeah. I mean, we like to do some dental things too. So, but I guess I'm getting older too. I'm not going to target as much to see like what's trendy, what's new, like what's the hot topic that I just feel like we're definitely, we're pivoting with our business as far as staff too. So I was doing this box this past year. I used to have someone just on the box. She went back to school. So it was just like a pivoting moment. So then I was full person, number one person on this box from creativity, research to logistics to marketing. I was like, Ooh, and it's doable. It's just when you just have to break it up. And when you research and do the creatives, you're exhausted by the time you need to do the logistics. So I was not getting a break. I feel like I wasn't letting my brain give it 100%. I was operating on like 70, 60%, honestly. And that's where I was just kept getting more burnt out because it's like we finished one box. I'm like, oh my God, I got to do the next season. And I'm toast. (laughs) The biggest thing that was affected was my creativity. I felt like I couldn't be open. So I'm like, okay, I need to figure out, do I have someone manage logistics? Do I have someone manage the creativity? And then you did your 30th birthday. Birthday box. And I'm like, oh my God, why didn't I not think of this before? She is theme queen. (laughs) And I know she knows what's in style. She knows what's trendy, but she's also ahead of the game that this is going to be even more of a showstopper. So I remember the day I'm just like, oh my God, I'm calling Michelle. That's my answer. (laughs) No, it's one of the things of like, if you're in your business and you're like, you just said, you're trying to be creative, logistics, procurement, customer relationships, and CEO. That's a lot of jobs for one person. That's a lot of jobs. And I'm sure you're not paying yourself for all those jobs that you're doing because you would have had to hire all the people to do all those things. So the other bit of it is that you're not talking to a bunch of different business owners across a bunch of different industries all the time. I am. Mm -hmm. So like I'm getting a sense for like, okay, what are people interested in? What are people talking about? I'm just also like, I call myself like student of the internet. Like I love the internet and I love trends and I have Google alerts set for just about anything I could even ever be remotely interested in. I'm like always looking at stuff. So I'm noticing like, wow, everyone's asking for bandanas all of a sudden. Interesting. Yeah. And so when you came to me and you're like, okay, we need help. We need your help with the box. What do you got? And I'm just like, Western, duh. (laughs) I know. And I'm like, oh my God, why didn't I think of that? So it's again, like, uh uh-huh. I was like, it's right there. Well, what actually spurred it was our whole conversation. We helped you with some one-off things here and there, right? And you had this whole event in Nashville, which by the time we're recording it, you're just about to go there. Again, it was a collaboration with another company. So you got to work with like blending two different styles. But we had some great like play on words that fit both dentistry and like this Western theme. Do you want to explain that t-shirt effort first? And then we'll get into the Western box. Yeah. So this is probably the one of the bigger national dental shows. And this is our, I think, second or third year doing their collections. We knew the next year we were going to Nashville. So I was like, all right, let's think of while we're in this trade show, we're in the fields what saying do we want to do? And immediately blame it on my roots came to mind. So blame it on my roots. I showed up in boots, roots being teeth. I was like, okay, so a year ago, I knew that's the saying I wanted to run with. So 
when it was time, I said, okay, this is what I want. I want boots on it. And it's been a hit. And it, people love like the pun on dentistry. So in the collection turned out so cute. It's selling better than any collection, obviously, that we've done for this trade show. The first year we went a little corporate. We did a lot of logo, their logo stuff, more like souvenir tea as far as like we went to this event where this year we went more dental pun with a small nod to the corporate. So it's just their logo was a part of the design, not the focal point. And it's tripling sales. So I'm glad that they let me run with that creativity and they trusted me with that because it's that's what people want. They want that dental pun and then your logo is going to be seen no matter what. So I'm so excited. And we did pre-launched it, which we never did before. So everyone I think is going to show up in these shirts rather than buying it there. So it's going to be very impactful. I can't wait. Oh, super visual, of course. So having had drawn that, of course, the shirt design, which we did kind of like a cowboy boot design, and then we worked in a tooth shape into the boot, which I feel like just did it in such a subtle way that again, you're talking about you're serving the customer, like you're making the thing that they want to wear, but then you're also like Easter egging in your own brand, which I think was effective. Yes. It was at first we flip-flopped because I think the first time you did our like the new logo, the iconic one. And then I still use our old logo for more subtle things that don't need. It's more like the peekaboo one. And it's kind of easier to put into some designs. It's more two-dimensional. So in the stitching, they were okay with using that. My biggest thing is you always have to have at least one tooth on the shirt. That's like my role. And they loved it. And I think subtle dentistry is definitely in style right now. Like when I first started, it was like dental was throwing up on the shirt where now they want trendy stuff with a nod to dentistry of like, I'm in dentistry, you know? Right. But it's not like the whole shebang. So after designing that shirt and then you're like, okay, I need help with a box. I was like, okay, Caitlin, duh. Like you have to do a Western box. And then we were like, oh, all right. Then you were like, Michelle, run with it. Go for it. We can do five products in this box. We want the exterior box design, five product source, which is like the most fun for me because I just feel like I get to be like a personal shopper and like, ooh, I would do this and I would do this and I would do this. Explain to me what it was like to watch the video review of me sending you the pitch for the box concept. I felt like I could be a customer. Yeah. <laughs> like for the first time, I get to see something like all at once and you just take things to a new level. I'm, I remember watching it for the first time and be like, Oh, yes. Like it was just nice to get that excitement back again because I was burned out. I didn't know what else to do. And again, like I got to enjoy it. And you take theme to a new level that I would never even think to do. Like, for example, Western means leather, means like you look at the whole picture of Western where I would think Western equals ropes and cowboy boots, but you take it to textures of like what. Things are involved in Western, like hide. It was just like, I would have never thought that leather could be a Western product that doesn't have to be cowboy boots in your face Western. Right. It doesn't have to look like kids' birthday party threw up. And I just recorded an episode with my sister about this because as a wedding planner, she says that she drives every single one of her clients. She goes, I tell every single client they need a theme. You need to theme your wedding. She's like, just saying classic, traditional is not a theme. She's like, give me a place, give me a sound, give me a movie, give me a food, like 
give me something. So she's doing like an Aperol spritz themed wedding for Como. She's like, I know what that looks like. I can go there. But unless you tell me that, like a beautiful wedding is going to be beautiful, no matter what, we promise it's going to look great. But we got to sink our teeth into something to really know, like you said, sink your teeth in, pun. (laughs) But you got to know what aligns and what doesn't align, right? Like you have to create those guardrails or those boundaries so that when you are sitting down looking at the product being like, okay, this fits, this would never fit, this fits, this would never fit. But for something like Western, like you're talking about, to create an elevated version of Western would mean like, okay, what are the textures? What are the things that you're going to experience there that you're not going to get somewhere else? What are going to be the things that are the tactile that give you the feeling of being in a Western scene without having to just like plaster like a saloon graphic all over everything? Exactly. And you nailed it. I'm like, ooh. And it was all things that were doable too, because that was my biggest fear is, okay, she doesn't know our budget. She doesn't need to know my budget, but also we had this problem when I had my last girl picking products. It's like, I love that product, but one, it's too big or too heavy or too expensive. So it's hard to really pick these because subscriptions, people love a deal. They want to pay minimal. FabFitFun paved that way for us, which bless them because subscriptions are like so fun and new, but it also, they want this crazy Amazon deal of, I want all this stuff for minimal cost. So, okay. So everything, just even looking at the sourcing that you picked, I'm like, all right, this is freaking going to work. And that was like hard to know. How do I transpose that to you? But you nailed it. Yeah. I think it's about thinking outside the box, right? Like, well, pun again, I cannot help myself. (laughs) Think inside the box, Michelle, what are we doing? But finding the touch points that are going to make an impact for low cost. So Same thing with like working with this fitness client. In the mock-ups, I was showing him like, I wanted to start to get him to visualize what a future collab could look like. So instead of just having packaging for the sake of having packaging, what level of clientele are you sending a box to? Like, are you celebrating milestones? Are you getting to this level? And then what does a FitBoss Blueprint X, a supplement company look like? What does it look like if you partnered with a protein company? What does it look like if you included water, like you had your own electrolyte water? And like, how does the brand translate for those things? Because again, like that's the most fun part of it is feeling like you can take this branding that exists on that evergreen level and then swap it and not be a total departure from where it came from. Like it still has a dental hygiene nation flavor. It's just skewed slightly. Mm hmm. I think that's what makes it exciting. This is also the first project where I really dug into ChatGPT and MidJourney. And I want to talk about that because the first thing that I think with themes that people struggle with is coming up with like theme concept names. And that's hard, right? Like that takes a copywriting brain. You have to know the audience, et cetera. So for this one specifically, I used ChatGPT and I said, my prompt to ChatGPT was, in a minute, I'm going to describe to you a company that sells apparel to dental hygienists. They're creating a Western theme box and I need to come up with 10 different ideas for campaign names or phrases that would sell well on merch. And the ideas that it gave me were brilliant. Brilliant. That's where the Pearly Whites Ranch came from. Stop. Yeah. That was all... ChatGPT, baby. No way. Uh-huh. I first thought for sure. Cavity Wrangler. Oh my God. So for those kind of things, and then I asked like, what are famous Western wear brands and how can you reimagine the names of their brands as relating to dentistry. And that's where it was kicking all those out from. So that slide, maybe you're just learning this for the first time. I thought I said this in the presentation, but that first slide where I said potential theme names, 
All of those are generated ChatGPT. I thought for sure Pearly White's Ranch was you because it was so good. Nope. That would be thank you to the robot. And it's like, it all starts with a saying and then you're like, oh, love, obsessed. And then we kind of run with that. And then it leads to new products. Like the trucker hat has the Pearly White's Ranch. We can do the t-shirt with that. Sometimes it just starts with the slogan. Totally. Because, okay, so again, you could just say like the Dental Hygiene Nation Western Collection. Like, what? Boring. But the whole point of I feel like your brand is to go immersive, to go overboard. Like you said, holographic. But even what if you took holographic to the next level? That was something about like, okay, what things are holographic? Mirrors. Is there something that we could do that's a riff on the mirrors? You know what I mean? Like, and keep digging down that hole. So then once we had those phrases together, this was the same week that I had downloaded or like gotten into Midjourney. And Midjourney, the episode, you have to listen to the episode with Lauren Devane from Bemuse Studio. She is my sensei, my mentor, my everything for when it comes to Discord and Midjourney. And I was like, all right, let's see how we can push this. And I was like, okay, imagine a purple, because that's your brand color, purple barn called Pearly White's Ranch, like for dental hygienists. And then it was giving me shit results. And I was like, okay, no, no, no. I was like, I want to see an architectural digest photography feature of a purple Western modern barn in shades of purple, light blue, silver. And then we're getting closer. I was like, okay, I want to see like a group of friends walking to a Western honky tonk wearing shades of purple, silver accessories, having fun, big smile, (laughs) big smile. (laughs) And I just kept going and going and going. And I was just like having so much fun. I think I said that to you and I was like, I know you didn't ask for this, but like, here's 50 images I just made. Yeah. And it kind of just got me thinking, okay, we can dive into this theme even more with our marketing because we always send like a mass reveal after the box goes out. And I feel like now we can live in this theme a little bit longer and totally make it more of a... Immersive. It's immersive. Yeah. And they can like more be in it and picture it and live it. It's like living that fantasy world of what that box was. And before we were just saying like, here's what was in it cute box, whatever. And that's all that it is. Like now it's a environment. It's a group that they're going to even want to be more involved in cult following in. So mm-hmm. it just makes it more fun to just be like, oh, like the Pearly Whites Ranch. It's just a showstopper. It's, it's something to talk about of like something that doesn't exist, but you can pretend like it does. I think the brands that do this so well, which I know I've sent you a million times is like Vacation Inc., Like they're not a real vacation company, but they sell sunscreen and they started off as like a radio station. Really? And then they've evolved and evolved and evolved. They just wanted to play Yacht Rock, like Yacht Rock music. (laughs) And then it evolved to like, okay, Vacation Inc. And then they come out with all these cool products that are just so throwback nostalgic, but like, you know it when you see it, right? Like, you know that it fits the theme, you know where it's coming from. Like, I think that that's a really strong example. And I think brands, when you play with things like that, you catch people's attention because you go, overboard like we're with that with san diego open right now like once we landed on our theme of like tennis is taking over and i'm like okay but actually like godzilla style like what would it look like for tennis to take over like what if it would look like if the entire city was infested with tennis balls like it's just something that you would never be able to pull off in a practical capacity that i think we can use these tools again if nothing more than for visualization and social media buzz that's fine yes to your point of like your tennis ball campaign and how people, I just think it's hilarious how people are like, think it actually happened. Like, oh, picking up the tennis balls. And I'm just thinking if we launched our mid journey photos of the Western Dental Operatory, I know 
people are going to be like, that's not OSHA compliant. You can't have that. That's never going to work. It's like, okay, it was meant to be fun, but I'm glad you're all buzzing and talking about it. (laughs) Exactly. And that's the thing. And I think with social media now more than ever, having something that just at the very least sparks conversation, you're already light years beyond your competitor, right? Or you're light years beyond doing the safe thing. And so a big part of using, I think, these AI tools is to go there with the creativity in a way that other people wouldn't think of. So for example, obviously Barbie movies are going to have a huge moment for the week of the Barbie movie coming out for San Diego Open. I'm like, okay, imagine all the top 10 women's players as Barbies. And now I can actually do a carousel post of the Barbie rendering of all of the top 10 players that we're hoping will come to our tournament. And the result, I haven't posted it yet by the time we're recording, but the result I'm going for is that those players are like, oh my gosh, this is Barbie me because they look damn good. I got to say. They look like the people. How do you? Mid-journey. Stop. Of course. Because mid-journey is going to pull from the whole of the internet. So if you are a well-photographed person, there are a lot of images that exist on the internet tagged your name, right? Ah, so tennis players have a ton of, oh my God, stop. Exactly. I can't wait to see this. So imagine you do a Marilyn Monroe collection. And we're just going to throw that out in the future. Dental Hygiene Nation X Marilyn Monroe. Teeth are a girl's best friend. And we're doing a whole campaign. You can go to Midjourney and you can say, show me Marilyn Monroe as a dental hygienist in a purple gown and all of her diamonds are teeth. You can do this now. You can do this. No Photoshop, no photo production. Like that's where I'm saying that's where you can go with some of this stuff. And again, like you can flex your creative muscles in that way. So that's the kind of stuff that I think is just going to open people's minds up to the idea of how are we going to push the envelope here and like be creative about it? Because you can do something as like micro themed as that. And it gives us the opportunity that Apple and these big box stores have the bandwidth and budget to do these crazy photo shoots that just take your mind away. And it's like, we're now able to do it too. And it's all from a computer and it's crazy. Mm -hmm. And it's spurring other things. So like perfect example, the San Diego open campaign tennis is taking over. We did all the tennis balls on the beach. I worked with Madison on my team. We put the logos on some of the balls. So it like looks like it was our campaign. And then once I've been posting them on social, I asked the San Diego open team. I was like, I'm going to order like a few sleeves of custom tennis balls so that I can get some video. I'm going to go down to the beach with my dog. And I just have this vision of like playing fetch with Wilson, him coming back, bringing me a ball. And the video is like, what is this? And it's the logo of the tournament. And like having this whole moment to like hype up the believability The other thing that I'm doing, which again, this episode will come out after the time that it's happened, but I made an entire folder of more of the like tennis ball takeover renderings. And I'm having my friends on the ticket launch week post on their stories and tag San Diego open being like, did anybody see this? Like this is Mission Bay. This is Coronado Bridge. This is the Hotel Dell. This is Balboa Park. This is downtown San Diego. And be like, oh my God, this is so crazy, San Diego Open. And then I'm going to drop in some of the videos, the first person perspective videos of the ball. Because I don't need 8,000 tennis balls. I need like eight. And I need a little pile of them on the beach. And then I have this other idea. You know how we can do like, people will do like product drops around cities. Yeah. So we do this with Hotel Lobby Candle, where they have a launch day. They're in New York City. They're like, okay, we're going to do a candle drop around the city. It's at this location. I want to do like ball drop. Yeah. And cut the tennis balls open, the logo ones, and put like prizes inside and then go all around the city of San Diego and be like, go find it. Like scavenger hunt. Go find the ball. Oh my God, fun. Who would think you can make tennis this cool? (laughs) That's what I'm saying. 
And it really just came from that seed idea of the tennis takeover renderings, like the mid-journey stuff. Like thinking about it that way and letting your brain spiral in that creative sense, like there's so much potential for brands like that. That's what I'm saying. I have so many ideas for you. It's stupid. Oh, can you definitely write down the Marilyn Monroe collection though? Like That was just like a total aside. Like that was just totally like off the top of the dome. That would be so fun. And this is why I call you theme queen, my theme queen. You're just like, bring it all together. But you pick like the most micro things and somehow it just, I mean, aesthetic it too. It's just like, it's so fun to just hear your brain just brainstorm. I could listen to your meetings all day. <laughs> this is why I have a podcast. Exactly. Because you should have seen me. I had a bunch of my friends over for dinner like two nights ago. And they're like, okay, what is this mid-journey thing? And I was sitting there. I was like, all right, where's my laptop? Got my laptop out, started showing people stuff. They're like, that's crazy. Make it do this. Make it do that. And I was like, I feel like I'm a magician putting on a magic show. But also like, I like blacked out. I was like, this is so fun to me. Like, because this is just boundless creativity. Anything that you think, you can start to visualize. And now there's other tools like Runway where you can do AI generated video. So that's a whole thing. The plugins for ChatGPT, shout out Lauren Bemuse Studio that she taught me, you need to download AI PRM, which is a plugin for ChatGPT. It's free, but it basically is open source prompts. So it'll populate the most popular prompts that people are using. So one of them is like one click content generator. So you can literally just say, sell t-shirt and it'll give you an entire month idea of content ideas. Wow. So again, smarter, not harder. And I love how you're always willing to just be like, we're trying this. Like you're never afraid to just try new things and go immerse yourself into these. Like a lot of people are against the AI train, but you're like, no, let's see what this can do. You always see the positive side of these, especially new tech things. Yeah. I like to push the envelope with it. Yeah. It it helps me say like, okay, this is okay. It's not scary. She's using it to her advantage tenfold. I want to do that too. So you kind of just open that door and you're obsessed with it that you find things I would never find just by following you. I just learned so much. Oh, I could talk about it literally forever. Like, and I start talking to other people that talk about it. And then people look at us and they're like, what drugs are you on? (laughs) I know, but it's so fun. I'm on nothing. But because it gets your time back. And I think for someone like me who like, I have the vision. I don't always have the skills. I am not a photographer. I'm not good at Photoshop. Like we just don't mix. But to be able to have a tool where I can give a vision and it's going to give me a result that I am looking for, help me hone in on my results. It just gives my brain more space to play instead of trying to go down, figure out Google. How do I mask this? How do I blend this? How do I blah, 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 tutorial, tutorial, like skip that. And if anything, it's a brainstorm tool and it just like helps you get there faster. Also just like relieving the mental load of the stuff you're not good at. Like for me, logistics, I'm not a logistics girly, like just I'm not, I'm creative, but I hosted a dinner party and I asked ChatGPT, I said, I'm making lemon chicken, breadsticks, pizza, and Greek salad. What time should I start cooking so that everything is hot by the time my friends get here at 7 PM? And it gave me Every 15 minutes accounted for starting at 445. Oh my God, I need that. 445, preheat your oven and prepare the chicken. 615, start making the pizza. By the time the chicken is out, it needs to rest for 15 minutes. You can throw in your pizza. Then you take the pizza out so the pizza is not burning hot for everybody that's eating it. Throw the breadsticks in. Breadsticks take 12 to 15 minutes. While the breadsticks are cooking, chop your salad. Oh. And I was like, great, perfect. Yeah, because I'm the same creative brain. I suck at logistics. Timelines, oh, I'm like doing everything all at once. I didn't know it did that, like little stuff like that. Oh my God, that is hilarious. Mm -hmm. So there's lots of tools, right? Like I definitely don't think that like AI is 
everyone who is having hesitations is justified in their hesitations for sure. We need to create some boundaries and some guidelines and some rules. But it's also like if someone looked at you before you knew what AI was and someone looked at you and it said, the thing that used to take you 12 hours is now going to take you 20 minutes. Are you going to say no? I know. And also, does it really matter? Like, and people are like, oh, it's coming for our jobs. It's coming for our jobs. Like, yeah, evolve or die. Like for me, like creating logos is my favorite part of the process. I do it all myself. I don't outsource it to anyone on my team. It's what I do on TikTok Live when I sit down and I make a three to four hour effort to brain dub. Is the result going to be all that different if I use a tool like Midjourney to say, I'm envisioning a logo for a flower truck that has two daisies crisscrossed into the shape of a blah, blah, blah. Like if I'm using a tool, we're not far off from like, you can just vectorize shit that comes out of Midjourney, right? Because it's proprietary, it's original. If the result is just as good for my client, does it matter the means that I got there? So true. That's a really good way of putting it. You know, like, do I care that my accountant uses a calculator? Very true. Versus doing long division, right? I mean, any profession, right? You can think about anything. Like, do I care that somebody used a ghostwriter for their book? Maybe. But like, am I still going to buy Britney Spears' book? Yeah, probably. Yeah, because it's still the same content. Like, it's still her story. Whether she wrote it or not, it's her story. She signed off on it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think that people are being naive about that. And I think the photographers that are scared about Midjourney are not seeing it as a tool, as a brainstorm tool, as a mock-up tool, as a, you still have to have taste. And this is what's so interesting about my Facebook group is people are like, I'm on Discord, I'm on Midjourney, I'm not getting the results that I want. Everything comes out looking like garbage. I was like, yeah, because it's not gonna do the work for you. You still have to have the vision. You still have to have like, I want this lighting, this time of day, outside, this size, this da-da-da. One of the things I did was like, imagine a gumball machine filled with tennis balls. Imagine we had a giant gumball machine at the event you could crank and a tennis ball would come out. And the first results it gave me were shit garbage. And I was like, okay, neo-futurism, like, like I went towards my own knowledge of aesthetics, right? So I leaned into the art history. I tried to give it examples of things that I wanted it to look like. And you can do that with like photography styles. With Midjourney, you can get down to the camera type and the lens type that you want for your images. So if you know when you shoot merch that your photographer uses a Nikon with a blah, blah, blah lens, and because you have that data from when you download the images from them, you can use that criteria in Midjourney to prompt images that come out that way. No shit. I'm going to so do this with like mock-ups. It probably can make me mock-ups. It makes great mock-ups. It makes fabulous mock-ups. Stop. I'm going to totally do that. Also, your mind's going to be blown, but I have another client where we're designing wine labels and I fed it my mood board and it kicked out a mock-up that matched the mood board. Okay. I can't wait to play with it. So it showed me a wine bottle with the background color, the color from the mood board with all the accessories and styling of the front of the mock-up in the style of the mood board. With the logo on the wine bottle. Not the logo on the wine bottle. That's the only thing. But that's a Photoshop thing. Yes. Anyway, that's my rant on mid-journey. Well, and to your point, like when Canva came out, I'm like, oh my God, everyone's going to have like really good marketing now. Like my competitor is going to get better. But it's so true that you still have to be design, like no design to pump out good stuff on Canva because there's templates, but you can still screw it up basically. So it's just the same thing. It's like, You have a tool, but you still have to have an eye for it to have good content. And even using the templates, like that means if you use the template and you're just going to use it straight out the box, you have to know that everybody else is using that template straight out the box. Right. And you have to want to change it. Yeah. Like you have to change it. Totally. So I think it's using the tool again as like to free up your creative space as a brainstorming tool, as like an idea generator. It's fabulous for that. 
on the first front. But then secondly, like world building, that's what you have the opportunity to do here. It's like, imagine things that maybe you couldn't actually bring to fruition in real life, but it at least gets you thinking of like, okay, well, actually, like, what if we did make that? What if we did actually put logos on tennis balls? What if we did actually have a Pearly White's Ranch rodeo pop-up destination retreat and we brought back Pearly White's Ranch and we did a whole weekend getaway with teeth cleanings on the ranch. <laughs> uh-huh. Or at the very least, like just a retreat for like a summer camp, right? Like you could imagine that possibility where Dental Hygiene Nation, you know, rebrands this Airbnb in the middle of nowhere as the Pearly White's Ranch for the weekend. And then you sell tickets to it like a weekend getaway, like a retreat. And then you book some amazing country artists to be like, hey, come play a private concert a la The Bachelor for our our people because I'm going to have 200 people here. Oh my God. And then you bring out photo video team, the whole thing. I've always, it's in my business plan to host an event for Dental Hygiene Nation and it might be time. That or, I don't know how my brain jumped to this so fast, but if you do Tulum, like I always think of retreats being in Tulum, you got to do tooth loom. Oh my God. Oh, the aesthetics. Oh, that's so cute. It's like you're not even in dental and you know, like you can still do the puns for me. I just don't, your brain. It's just easy. It's just fun. It is fun. It's fun. Yeah. I literally know nothing about dental hygiene. Like only the things I've learned through you. That's it. <laughs> but you pick it up very quickly, <laughs> I will say. But like those kind of pop-ups, like Glossier always does amazing pop-ups. Summer Fridays does amazing pop-ups, right? Like I think that that used to be perceived as something that like only huge brands with big budgets and fat investments could take on. And I think this just democratizes that, right? It just makes it more accessible, more possible for brands that aren't dealing with like crazy high budgets. But then again, like, you know, you get an opportunity to think big. Yeah. And look big too. And Mm -hmm. oh, I can't wait to play with it on Midjourney. Toothlim, that's going to be, I already know. (laughs) I already see it. And then I want to go to Toothlim. Oh, yeah. Obviously, if I have a retreat, you're probably going to be planning all the aesthetics and you're going to be there anyway. Wouldn't that be fun? (laughs) It would be so fun. And then you can pitch the shit out of it. Then you pitch all those brands you've worked with all year and you're like, listen, this is the event. And don't you want to be in our welcome bag? Don't you want to be in our subscription box? Don't you want to be a part of this? Because we're going to photo and video the shit out of it anyway. I mean, that's how my birthday welcome bags came about. I know that was so smart. It's like the birthday boxes went viral. I just turned right around and said, okay, who needs content? I'm going anyway and taking pictures anyway. Like who needs stuff? And then we got a ton of shit and everybody was happy. So smart. And that little presentation you made also is, I just want to know how long did that take you to make? The deck, the pitch deck? Mm-hmm. Like two hours. How you pump out aesthetically pleasing proposals like that. I'm like, how? It just looks so good. Okay, but also you should see the graveyard of all the ones I started and never finished. (laughs) Okay, see, that's, yeah. So that's the thing. It's like for every successful thing that you see me do, like you just have to know that there's like 14 things that never came to fruition. And I'm so glad you say that out loud because you definitely make things look easy, but you're always hustling. That's one thing that you're always, like you try new things. And I'm just like, how? I just don't even think my brain could even go the places that you've been but it's because you're always doing it. I'm always in creative mode. I'm not doing the things I'm shit at. I hired someone to send proposals, contracts, and invoices. I hired someone to do file exports. I hired somebody else to produce this podcast. It's because I'm outsourcing the things that I hate. I hired a mentor to help me do my business projections and tell me how many deals I need to close every month. 
And I'm like, great, this is way better because I couldn't get there in my brain. I said, Don, it's so embarrassing. I've been running my business on vibes. I was like, I have no idea what my profitability margins are. I'm not a spreadsheet person. I'm not working out the cost of my profitability margin on every project based on which contractors I got. Like, but then we ran the numbers and she's like, you're running at 36% profitability. And I'm like, is that good? And she's like, yeah, most businesses are 10. Oh, that's amazing. And I was like, sick. Like, it's just not my spot. Yeah, but now you're confident in it. And like, how did you find that person? Through my bookkeeper. I asked her for a recommendation. And it's just knowing when to do that too. is such a hard lesson to learn. It's knowing when to do that. Because it's scary to spend the money. It's scary to spend the money. But I think it's also about having somebody like I had a huge contract to negotiate and there were going to be new terms. And she's heard me talk about this client, like working with this client for months. And she's like, you know what? I've noticed that you've run into this issue, this issue, this issue. Let's safeguard you for those things. I don't even remember that I had those issues. So to have just another person to be able to like gut check me of being like, oh, is that a realistic thing to ask in a contract? And she's like, yeah. And so we get to go together on like a Friday morning at 10 a.m. to like read it together, work through it together. And she's like, I want you to word it this way. I want you to think about this. I want you to protect yourself here. And I'm like, okay, yeah, shit. I would have never thought any of those things. So it's helpful to hire the right kind of people at the right time, like you're saying, but also to know that like, I think for all business owners, figure out what you love to do and figure out what you hate doing and outsource the shit that you hate because somebody else loves it. And you are the so like nod to that because you loved searching on Alibaba for these things. And I'm like, oh, I'm not a shopper. So like the way you get excited to do all these things, I'm like, it makes me feel good. But it's hard because because I don't like doing it. I feel like it's hard to think that someone else does. So seeing your excitement reminded me of, okay, because I'm narrow minded until I know like, oh, this excites you because for some reason I feel bad to outsource things that I don't like. Because I'm like, why would I give it to somebody else to do when I don't want to do it myself? But not everyone thinks. Yeah, like Cody loves pulling together proposals. <laughs> Cody loves it. Cody loves it. She's like, also, oh, I noticed that this client hasn't paid you yet. So I already sent them three follow-up reminders. I'm like, amazing, because I hate that part. And she loves it. She loves seeing the money hit the bank account and like the invoices get paid and contracts get signed. Like that gets her jazzed. So it's such a learning curve. But yeah, it's we need you to be the Kim of skims. Like, do you think Kim is out there like to doing all the logistics and all the product management? No, she shows up to the meeting once a month at the board meeting, but they're like, okay, here's your fall collection. And she's like, great. I like this one. I don't like that one. I like this one. Good. <laughs> Can we make it in light purple? And you're like, yeah, sure. And then, then she's out of there. Cause then it's like, I'm still driving the ship, but I can't be like loading the ship and routing the ship because I'm burnt out. And it's crazy to think, cause it's kind of, you feel icky being like, I'm just the person that points my finger around. No, that's the dream. It is the dream, but it's like, it seems too easy. And you're like, okay, is that my job? But that's like a big part of the job is like moving this project to flourishing because I have the eye that no one else has that I need to be at the end of the line, but I can't be doing research up until that part. But you have the knowledge and the context that I could never learn in a million years because I wasn't a dental hygienist. Mm-hmm. by the factor of owning your business for as long as you have, like you already have more insights. So you got to stay in your zone of genius. Oh yeah. And also I feel like because I know so much, because I'm kind of emotional in it, I maybe not think outside the box as much as you do. And you're like, oh, let's do all this. I'd be too afraid to, because it's too close to my heart. So having you do it, break those barriers, it almost makes me more comfortable because it's like, I didn't do it, but you can, mm-hmm. and I'll say yes. 
And that's funny. We got onto this topic because that was a big thing I wanted to talk about was getting to the point where outsourcing is your saving grace. It's scary because it feels outsourcing. It's not you, but it just makes me able to do more things for my company. And it's more, way more fun. Now finding the right person, that's a whole other conversation, but I found you. Totally. That's for the next time we're on the podcast. Well, where can everyone find you, follow you, see all of this great merch? Plug yourself. Yeah. Dentalhygienation.com, Instagram at DTHYNation. Same thing on TikTok, DTHYNation. We just got on threads. Haven't really kind of played with it yet. Hell yeah. Okay, this is going to be my last thing for threads. If you're a Twitter girly, this is your time to shine because all the brands that you've ever wanted to collab with right now, there's no algorithm, there's no DM. So pitch your little heart out because they're going to see it because there's not enough volume of content for them to get overwhelmed by too many requests. So if you have a brand that you're dying to work with, hit them up on threads now. Flirt with them, court them, and then be like, let's move this conversation to DMs because now you got their attention because some poor social media manager is tasked with manning threads and all they want is people to talk about their brand. Okay, deal. This is amazing. Thank you so much. We definitely have so much more to catch up on. You're the best. Yes. Thank you for having me. See you later. Till next time. Catch you later. See you on threads. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us for the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. Don't forget to follow along and leave us a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. We'll see you in the Kiss My Aesthetic Facebook group for years and years of behind the scenes content and over 5,000 connections with fellow creatives. For show notes from today's episode, please visit mkwcreative.co slash podcast. This episode was edited by Berta Wired and theme music comes from Eliza Vera and Nathan Menard. Catch you next time. Catch you next time.